You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash earnings right now. NetSuite.com slash earnings. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Sound on with Kevin Cirilli. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Happy hump day, folks. Boeing is grounded. That, according to the FAA, they have reversed course in grounding their fleet of 737 MAX 8 fleet. They have the MAX family now grounded. This following uh, yesterday's developments when the international regulating community around the world going at odds against the Federal Aviation Administration uh, and saying that they would not be utilizing the 737 MAX family. President Trump speaking out about this very topic within the last couple of hours. We will bring you the latest fallout for Boeing today as they move quickly behind the scenes and in public to get to the bottom of this investigation. Plus, Paul Manafort indicted Again, this time by New York state prosecutors will bring you the latest on that front, plus whether or not President Trump could pardon him, even if he wants to. It doesn't look like he can. And we are still keeping close eye on this admission scandal. Lori Lori Loughlin, the Aunt Becky actress from Full House, scheduled to appear in court any moment in California. We also have an all-star panel We've got Joe Sandberg of Aspiration.com. He's also the co-founder of Blue Apron. Uh, He's the founder of Blue Apron, rather, and the co-founder of Aspiration.com. Blue Apron, have they ever cooked you dinner? They've cooked me dinner multiple times. He's going to tell us about the political behind-the-scenes maneuverings that he's doing ahead of the 2020 presidential cycle. Plus, John Summers, former communications director to former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid, And Brendan Buck, former spokesman and advisor to former House Speaker Paul Ryan, as well as a partner at Blue Engine Message and Media and JDA Frontline. But before we get into all of that, Boeing, U.S. regulators reversing course Wednesday and announcing that they are going to ground Boeing's top-selling 737 MAX family of airliners amid safety concerns. Remember, there was that crash on Sunday in Ethiopia, and this was just after five months just five months after a similar tragedy off of uh, Indonesia. Now, President Trump 
uh, was was asked about this point blank just a few hours ago uh, at the White House. I, I want to play for you what the president had to say, uh, because Boeing is just an integral part of the U.S. economy, no mistake, but also worldwide. And it's not just a Republican or a Democrat company. I mean, this is really one of gets to the foundation of the of the U.S. Uh, global outlook. And up on Capitol Hill today, whether it was Democrats or Republicans who I was uh, speaking with, no question that there is concern about what Boeing is doing, but also really wanting to get to the bottom of what this does to protect Boeing, particularly in the international community. Here's President Trump. Take a listen. Boeing is an incredible company. They are uh, working very, very hard right now. And hopefully they'll very quickly come up with the answer. But until they do, the planes are grounded. Now, Boeing shares dropped about 3.2 percent after President Trump made those remarks. But they did recover in terms of uh, much of the day's losses uh, shortly after that. Uh, This after they've had a rocky, rocky week in terms of shareholder value for this week alone. I can tell you that when I, I spoke with Senator Chris Coons, a Democrat from Delaware today, you can catch that full interview on BloombergTV.com and we'll play a portion of it coming up later on in the show. Uh, he was also expressing uh, much of the same rhetoric as President Trump. Again, folks trying to get to the bottom of what precisely happened particularly following the international regulatory community's response that really went against the FAA and really forced the FAA's hands within the last 24 hours. Brendan Buck is former spokesman and advisor to former House Speaker Paul Ryan. Now he is a partner at Blue Engine Message and Media and JDA Frontline. They advise companies uh, and and consult businesses. uh, And, well, this is a, a heck of a... of a a scandal, and I'd ask you to put on your analytical cap here. How do you think Boeing is doing, Brendan, in terms of uh, their response to this investigation and response to not just the FAA but to the international regulatory community? Well, I found it interesting that they came out and basically said today when this announcement was made that that it was made with their consent, as though they were part of the solution here. And I don't know how much that is true, but that's obviously something that they need to project, that they are in control of this situation. Um, you know, this is not a decision that you make lightly, uh, but at some point it became the obvious one, the only one that you could do. Uh, the United States was becoming increasingly isolated in the international community, and the president was becoming isolated politically as well. You had members of both parties calling for this. Um, you know, the disruption that we're going to see here in the big scheme of things, I think, is going to be relatively minor compared to. God forbid, what would happen if something did happen? Um, The issue going forward is going to be figuring out how did we get to this point? I imagine Congress is going to be looking into this for quite a while. And what is going to be the process whereby we are now clearing these jets to get back in the air? And those are things that um, how fast this is moving, we still have no idea how long this could last. John Summers is former communications director to former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid. And John, you know, I think Brendan makes a really interesting point, particularly because how Boeing came out really proactively in the last 12 to 24 hours and really getting out uh, and saying that they agree with the FAA. This after more than 40 nations, 40 nations had announced the grounding of this jet in opposite of what the FAA had originally ruled, taking away the partisan politics, taking away 
the politics as well as uh, Boeing in particular. In terms of the international community's response, really rebuke to the FAA, was the FAA caught flat-footed here in terms of how the international community and lawmakers on both sides of the aisle really questioned the FAA's decision? I don't know if they were caught flat-footed, but I certainly think we need to get some answers to that. This is one of those, and I hate to say it, but one of those where it probably makes sense for Congress to step in at some point and try and get an understanding of what took us so long. Because I think to Brendan's point, people were waiting today to, you know, how long is it going to take for the United States to come out and ground these planes after practically everyone else had? And I think one of the points that Brendan made, you know, underscores what the problem is, that Boeing approved of it. Well, that's exactly what's wrong with our system. We don't need corporations to approve government action to ground planes. And I think, you know, for a lot of us who pay close attention to it, the fact that Boeing gave a million dollars to President Trump's inaugural committee, um, you know, certainly raises some questions. Whether that is what was behind the delay, who knows? But I do think we need some answers. Yeah, and, and I'm sure that there's going to be an inquiry uh, into a lot of these things. Um, you know, I, I think it, it's important that we think first and foremost about safety here. And hopefully, I think everybody at the FAA, FAA who are career professionals, uh, many of those who I'm sure have been working there for decades, are the type of people who dedicate their lives to making sure that the airways are safe, and that's their number one priority. Um, and, and I would hate to suggest without any, any evidence that, that the opposite is true. You know, I, and, and to Brendan's point, I think that, uh, that what's really interesting is, is we in the media have this obsession over, oh, did they say the right thing? Did they respond the right way? I mean, everyone take a breath for a minute. I mean, it's been, it's been like a couple of days. Uh, they're, they, they've got this investigation. There's a ton of pressure on them. Uh, and and the FAA has has responded in, in truthfully less than a day after more than forty countries disagreed with them, uh, and and, uh, and and you know and, and this is where we are. Uh, so uh, do you think, Brendan, that the, the, the likelihood of, of Dennis Muhlenberg, the CEO of Boeing, he'll likely have to testify on Capitol Hill? Uh, someone will, yeah. yeah. If, if it rises to his level, I, I certainly expect at some point. And that wouldn't necessarily be the first time I would yeah. imagine that he's done so either. And they're a company that's very familiar, not just because of the commercial airline, but they do a lot of uh, work throughout government and have a lot of government contracts. So this is a, a town, Washington, that is very familiar with, with the company uh, in general. And, and you know, I understand the, the questions that, that can arise from the coziness of a large company like that that has a lot of money on the line. But I think we need to just appreciate how big of a deal this is, stopping uh, airlines, uh, airplanes uh, mid-flight and telling them that they need to come down. That That is a dramatic thing that you don't do lightly. Since 9, since well, oh, they that's happened since 9-11. Well, they didn't. My understanding is, in listening to President Trump, they didn't stop them mid-flight and tell them they had to come down. Okay. They were able to go to their ultimate destination, and then they were grounded at that I saw, point. I saw a couple According to the president. The tarmacs. But, yeah, but the point being, this is a major deal. Stuff like this does not happen, and decisions like this are not taken lightly. And I think that we need to assume that the, the decision that was made was done with safety in mind. Um, as I said, I think it became a political decision at some point, but I think we have to assume that people are doing what they think is, is in the best interest of American air, air passengers. And I want to note President Trump also saying earlier today that he had spoken with Transportation, Sec Transportation Secretary Elaine Chow, uh, as well as the acting FAA Administrator Daniel Elwell, uh, as well as Boeing officials, including CEO, uh, about uh, this uh, decision and the statement in part from the FAA uh, regarding uh, the temporary grounding uh, reads that the grounding will remain in effect 
pending further investigation, including examination of information from the aircraft's flight data recorders and cockpit voice recorders. Coming up, we have more politics and policy, including Boeing. The panel stays John Summers, former communications director to former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid, and Brendan Buck, former spokesman and advisor to former House Speaker Paul Ryan, now a partner at Blue Engine Message and Media and JDA Frontline, plus Joe Sandberg, the co-founder of Aspiration.com, as well as a founding investor of Blue Apron. We're going to get his take on the 2020 presidential election. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Happy hump day, folks. Did you see this on Twitter? Hillary Clinton spotted out and about with Adrian Elrod, friend of the program, at a Fleetwood Mac concert. I was not there last night, but I was at Travis Scott. And guess who was there? The mayor of Washington, D.C., Mayor Bowser. Who would have thought? Uh, but, hey, fun. She left uh, shortly after Travis's opening Astro World set. Joining us now here in studio, one of the or founding investors of Blue Apron, uh, the meal kit service, which has a lot of really good food, if I do say so myself. He's also the co-founder of Aspiration.com. So his name is Joe Sandberg. We also have Brendan Buck. He's former spokesman and advisor to former House Speaker Paul Ryan and partner at Blue Engine Message and Media, as well as JDA Frontline. John Summers, also with us in studio, former communications director to former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid. But Joe, you are the co-founder of Aspiration.com. I know this when I'm driving back home up 95 and I see the Aspiration.com like quotes, but I never really knew what it was. Well, Aspiration.com is where millions of Americans are going to match their banking, spending, investing, and their values. Most of all, Aspiration offers banking accounts, FDIC insured, that get your money out of fossil fuel and then make it easy for you to match your social values with your spending. So imagine with Aspiration, when you use your debit card, your Aspiration debit card at retailers, the Aspiration app shows you how those retailers treat their workers and the environment in the form of a people score and a planet score that Aspiration so, assigns to them. So is it, so is it a community bank? Is it a, is it a small bank? What, what kind of bank? How would you define It doesn't sound like a big bank. Well, Aspiration is an online financial institution, a million customers growing hundreds of thousands of customers right. a month. So, okay. So really, but what, what you're doing is you're tapping into uh, the sort of, I would argue, what some would call the, the progressive social movement type of brand messaging uh, and really kind of flipping the, the banking industry on its head, right? I mean, is that is that the goal here? That's part of it. There's also something even bigger, which is nine out of 10 Americans distrust their bank. And the reason they distrust their bank is that they have a relationship with their bank where the worse they do, the better their bank does. The lower their balances, the more fees their bank charges them. At the times they're most vulnerable, their bank most sticks it to them. And what's also unique about Aspiration is Aspiration's business model. The only fees customers pay Aspiration are the voluntary fees they choose to pay. Aspiration's business model is called pay what's fair. You only pay if you're so happy that you'll voluntarily pay. And so just imagine how that totally wait, 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 flips wait, wait, on wait, it. Wait, 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 wait. So wait, you only pay 
what you want to pay? Like, how does that, how does, I don't, that doesn't, I don't, I don't get that. Well, the idea is that you should only pay if Aspiration is doing a good enough job by you that you want to pay. Okay, but like the capitalist in me is like, well, I wouldn't pay anything because I'd want to save money. You know, most people treat Aspiration fairly because Aspiration treats them fairly. Some people don't pay, but almost everyone chooses to pay. Okay. All right. This is interesting. All right. So I, I take it then, uh, you, you know, you also have your, you are a uh, progressive entrepreneur. As I mentioned, you are someone who uh, has uh, ties to Blue Apron. You've got the Working Hero Pack. This is this was very active in 2018, and it's also continuing its work in, in 2020. So what, in terms of you look at this crowded democratic field, who, who's, who jumps out at you? What role are you going to be playing? Uh, what role are, especially in the in the era of where you have Senator Elizabeth Warren uh, having a plan to break up big tech, not just big banks? What role are, do you want to play in terms of shaping the progressive debate moving forward? Well, I think the unique voice that I can offer is that of a business person who grew up in poverty, who, as much as anyone does, am self-made, right? I don't think anyone's truly self-made, but I didn't have any um, wealth passed on to me to the opposite. Even though my mom worked so hard, worked her fingers to the bone, we lost our home to foreclosure. And actually, that was a real formative experience because it showed me that even if you work really hard, things don't always work out. And that's what more and more people are feeling in the economy today, even more than when I was a teenager. And I think that whoever wins the Democratic nomination and hopes to defeat President Trump will have to speak to that reality that people are experiencing and living, that this American compact, that if you work hard, play by the rules, that everything will work out. That's just not true for almost everyone anymore. So coming up, we're going to hear a little bit of my interview with Senator Chris Coons, a Democrat from Delaware. He's all in for Joe Biden. We'll hear what he says. I mean, he pretty much says... Joe Biden's going to run. But you look at the, the, the so many different Democrats, whether it's former Vice President Biden, Senator Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris. Who jumps out? I mean, because quite frankly, I think all of them are going to campaign against Trump. But until the political gloves come off and they actually start debating each other and you can differentiate them on where they stand, I, I think voters are on the left are going to have a hard time trying to figure out you know, who's for what. So from your perspective as a donor, as someone who's an entrepreneur, as a, as a PAC, uh, what will you specifically be looking for in such a crowded field about who's going to jump out of that? Well, ultimately, it's up to the Democratic primary voters, not any donors in New York City or um, San Francisco to choose who the nominee will be. And I think it's also too early to tell who's going to jump out. But whoever wins the nomination needs to offer a positive a compelling vision of a different America than that which Donald Trump has led. It has to be a vision that makes clear to people that their wages are going to go up and the basic needs that they need, they need in their life, like health care, will go down in price. You know, for all the stuff that goes on in Twitter and social media and in D.C. and New York, eight out of ten Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. And if you want to beat President Trump... You have to offer an agenda that is going to touch the reality that those 8 out of 10 Americans face. They're living paycheck to paycheck because their wages are too low and the things they need to buy, like health care, are too expensive. 
All right, Joe Sandberg, a progressive entrepreneur. Uh, he is one of the founding investors of Blue Apron. He's also the co-founder of Aspiration.com. Uh, and he also has a pack, the Working Hero Pack. I know you've got a train to catch. We appreciate you uh, coming on. Coming up, uh, we're going to talk Paul Manafort. We're also going to talk more about the policy implications headed this week. Secretary of Commerce Wilbur Ross set to testify tomorrow on Capitol Hill, as well as Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin. Uh, and we hear from Senator Chris Coons, a Democrat from Delaware. Remember, folks, you can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com and iHeartRadio, not just me, but my incredibly talented, hardworking colleagues as well. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Thank you. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Totally unnecessary. That was the attorney for Paul Manafort, Kevin Downing. Uh, he was speaking shortly after Paul Manafort was sentenced. He will now spend more than seven years behind bars. And then literally minutes after that happened, the uh, New York uh, State, uh, the New York State Court prosecutor, there it is, Christine, thank you. The New York State prosecutor uh, uh, actually uh, had new charges for him uh, and indicted him on a totally different uh, uh, charges. This just after he was uh, federally sentenced. And here's the, the bottom line is that President Trump cannot pardon him if he is found guilty of state crimes. So it really was almost a, a, a showing of sorts to President Trump uh, about the potential for pardoning. Uh, John Summers is former communications director to former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid. I mean, really the timing is everything here as, as the New York State prosecutor really went after him. John. Really, really a fascinating day. And, you know, it was, it was interesting to watch the judge um, and, and, you know, the, the sentence that she handed down. She certainly didn't go as far as she could have, according to the sentencing guidelines. But, you know, she wasn't easy on him either. She had some tough words for him and basically gave a sentence that was right in the middle of the road. So, um, I think all in all, what we saw coming out of that court was fair today. But, man, what a day. Yeah, th this was uh, quite fascinating because in one of the two cases that Mueller brought against Manafort, he was accused of lying to Citizens Bank to obtain mortgage loans on properties in Manhattan 
and Brooklyn, as well as to federal savings banks for loans related to his properties uh, in, in New York. Coming up, uh, that's the latest in terms of the investigation. Coming up, uh, we talk U.S.-China trade policy. Busy day tomorrow on Capitol Hill. Uh, we also talk 2020 chatter with Senator Chris Coons. He had a lot to say about the 2020 field and his friend, former Vice President Joe Biden. You can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can find us on Radio.com and with our friends at iHeartRadio. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Busy day, folks. Busy day for Boeing. They actually are now grounding uh, their fleet of 737 MAX families. This uh, after the FAA, rather, the Federal Aviation Administration, grounding that fleet following more than 40 countries, more than 40 countries. Uh, saying that they didn't have confidence in this in this uh, Boeing 737. And Boeing, for their part, really reacting quite quickly to this, uh, releasing immediately a statement saying that uh, they agree with the FAA uh, and how they are handling this. Uh, they've also been out meeting with lawmakers uh, behind the scenes, their, their fleet, uh, working with folks at the Department of Transportation. Uh, President Trump uh, saying that he has spoken to the CEO of Boeing, uh, and, and look, they're they're you know they've had a bumpy week for for their shareholders, uh, but you know likely they're going to have to have test testimony. I can tell you that just in speaking with staffers up on Capitol Hill today, uh, there's been a lot of questions for them, not necessarily uh, yes criticism, but also concern, wanting to get to the bottom and understanding about what has led to these two crashes in as little as five months that left. Uh, Hundreds of folks uh, lost their lives in these in these crashes. Boeing has said that they are, are investigating this internally. They're working with the FAA. They're trying to get uh, a, a thorough investigation done, uh, and then they will have uh, more to say on that front. Uh, with us for the hour, we are appreciative of their time, John Summers, former communications director and former Senate Majority Leader to Harry Reid, and Brendan Buck, former spokesman and advisor to former House Speaker Paul Ryan. He's now a partner at Blue Engine Message and Media and JDA Frontline. Brendan, what is life like outside of Congress? Much lower stress. I can really? tell you that much, yes. What is the one <clears throat> thing you do now that you didn't have time to do since being on, on Capitol Hill. Sleep eight hours a night. Yeah, what's that like? It's great. <laughs> it's really, really nice. John, I think maybe I can find a point of agreement that you both probably, when since you left Capitol Hill, is that one of the biggest things that you found was sleep returned? Yeah, I think so. And, and a level of predictability because I think Brendan and I were in similar positions where we were the ones who would get the call from, you know, either the speaker or the majority leader, uh, in our case, in the middle of the night if something happened or, you know, that last minute, whatever, or had to take a trip. So John had it easy. Back in 2011, things were a little little easier than they were in the last five or six years. That's got to be awful, like because those calls... <laughs> Politics the, have changed a little yeah. bit. <laughs> and Twitter has changed a little bit, too. But those calls in the middle of the night or those tweets from the president in the middle of the night, can't ever... Like, that's never, like, a good call to get from what I would imagine. No. Uh, and I... <laughs> And, and I, I've, I've dealt with many. We used to joke, like, okay, who's going to be the one to tell the speaker what just happened, what just was tweeted? Um, oh, it usually fell to me, but not, not always. That's 
that I had to be fun. Not. Yeah, that's got to no. be like I, I I was just telling a, a colleague today. I was like, if I lose my phone, I, it's like this weird. It, it, it's bizarre now how addicted we are to our phones. We're also addicted to policy here. That was a pivot, huh, Christine? Uh, about U.S. China trade talks and Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin. He's going to be testifying on Capitol Hill tomorrow, as is Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross. Look, the Democrats, John, they're going to go after them. They're going to talk about tax returns and all of the investigations. But from a U.S.-China trade policy standpoint, Brendan, what, where are we with this? Because Bob Lighthizer, U.S. trade representative, he testified earlier this week, and he essentially said, you know, there's still some major differences between the U.S. and China. Yeah, I mean, I think the question at this point is how far down do they go, sort of lowest common denominator deal? And, and, and how important is it to the president to get some type of agreement to potentially end this standoff, to um, allow markets to normalize because there's been so much back and forth and so much uncertainty about what's going to happen? At some point, everybody needs an exit ramp. And so my hope, at least, is that they're looking for a way to find some type of, whether it's just a small bore agreement where each side can, can claim a win and we can move past this. Whether they're willing to do that, I don't know, but hopefully that's the goal at this point. But what about enforcement mechanisms? Because that's what I hear from the business community is how will this in particular be enforced? I mean, it's one thing to have like a, a, a small scale agreement. It's an entirely different to to actually enforce sure, it. Sure. I think we just have to set our expectations properly. I think I think most people in the business community would rather go back to the way that it was before uh, all of the, these uh, tariff wars started. Now, if we could get an agreement where you could get China to play by the, the rules and, and have rule of law and have contracts in the way that we're used to enforcing them, that would be great. But I think if we're holding out for that, we may be waiting for a long time. I've been really struck, John, about why the president doesn't go after China more aggressively in, instead of going after Democrats. Because quite frankly, I think that there is a streak in populist politics where there would be agreement in terms of going after China. Even centrists that I interview say that particularly on issues like intellectual property and artificial intelligence, that there is nonpartisan agreement in terms of getting China to the table. I was talking with Senator Chris Coons, a Democrat from Delaware earlier today, specifically about this. And actually, to Brendan's point about tariffs, they've got legislation, bipartisan legislation, that would allow for folks and businesses in the poultry industry as well as in uh, manufacturing to apply for exemptions of tariffs. So why then do you think that the president, he says he's a tariff man, but why do you think if he's trying to close this deal with President Xi that he's not backing off of this, especially if you're trying to get Xi down to Mar-a-Lago? Well, and if you're, you know, as you're going back to your question about why he's not being more publicly aggressive against Xi, I mean, I think that's an interesting thing because restraint is not something that we're used to seeing from this president. But I think that's actually something that he's doing fairly well right now. You're right. It would be very easy for everyone on both sides to come out. Restraint against President Xi. Exactly. He's unrestrained in other areas. Exactly. Exactly. And but it would be easy for everyone to get together and just start beating up on China. But that doesn't do a whole lot when it comes to getting you closer to an agreement. And I think there is I, I will give him credit. I think there's genuinely a good faith effort in trying to get there. But you're not going to get there if you if you play from the normal playbook that Trump likes to play from. And whether it's Huawei or ZTE, for example, in the technology sector, and we've seen some underlings in terms of how the Chinese have responded uh, with Apple to some regard, though less of, uh, of an extent. But 
your previous boss, Speaker Ryan, as well as a Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and even the Democratic Minority Leadership at the time, they really had been starting to, to lay the foundation in terms of a everyone talks about Russia, but in terms of a cybersecurity policy, a national security element uh, with the Chinese. Where in terms of or how does national security factor in, Brendan, into these U.S.-China trade negotiations? Well, you remember, this was the whole idea behind TPP, the, the Trans-Pacific Partnership. The whole idea was not necessarily getting a trade agreement with these 13 countries, half of which we already had an agreement with. This was about setting the rules of the road in that region. China is, is flexing its muscle all around, and a lot of these countries who want it are, are looking for allies, and they're looking for which way do they want to go. Um, the more... Uh, 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 authoritarian route, the way that China does it, or or democracy in the, in the way that we've always represented. And that's the competition right now. And those countries are like, who are they going to partner with? And so it's important that the United States continue to lead in issues on economic issues like trade, because that's what this is ultimately about. And, and China does play an increasingly large threat to us, and we need to use these uh, soft power uh, measures that we have to, to shore up our allies. Brendan Buck is former spokesman and advisor to former House Speaker Paul Ryan. He's now a partner at Blue Engine Message and Media and JDA Frontline. John Summers is former communications director to former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid. You know, my friend mentor here, the Wall Street whisperer, Tom Keene of Bloomberg Surveillance, always tells me, Kevin, don't combine storylines, don't combine narratives. Stories are separate. But on a day when Boeing is so influential into the news and the backdrop of all of this and how the international regulatory regime of different countries, more than 40 folks disagreeing with the Federal Aviation Administration and grounding those uh, Boeing 737 MAX planes family. And now the FAA and Boeing has also decided uh, to ground those planes uh, pending an investigation. It really is quite remarkable to see how Europe, for example, has responded in butting heads with the FAA as President Trump and his trade policy is looking and staring down President Xi Jinping of China, wants to get him down there to Mar-a-Lago to have some type of deal, Lord knows what, especially when he walks out on Kim Jong-un in Vietnam the other week, but is also has one is staring down the Europeans. And, and, and so, like, tariff might be closing in China but Europe might just be around the corner, no? Yeah, I was wondering where you're going with that. Yeah. I, I think. Well, I got there. I landed the plane. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, impressive. Thank you. Um, I mean, look, I, I think trade is going to be one of the defining issues of, of the next year for this presidency. Um, whether whether you're talking about China or whether you're talking about him trying to close down NAFTA 2.0, I think that is going to be a fascinating thing to watch. There are, you know, Kevin, I don't tell you, there you can count on one hand the number of big legislative things that can possibly get done this year. Um, but they've staked a lot of effort and time and, and uh, political capital at this point into getting this rewrite of NAFTA done. Um, this is hard to do. Uh, I remember when we worked on the Trade Promotion Authority Act uh, back in 2015. This was President Obama's one of his biggest priorities in his second term. Uh, and we got all of 28 Democrats to vote for that in the House. Not a lot. Yeah, and, and I think it's I think it's a mistake for, frankly, for Democrats to to not get on board with with NAFTA 2.0, especially when the 2020 presidential cycle is just around the corner. And I do want to play for you a portion of my interview with Senator Chris Coons about Joe Biden. Here's Senator Coons on a potential Biden run for president. I'm very optimistic Joe Biden's going to run for president. I'm all but certain he's going to. Uh, we met this past week. Um, I know this is a big decision. 
So, John Summers, should he run for president? I am a big Biden fan. Yeah. I would love for him yeah. to jump in the race. I think he has a lot to offer. You know, I know a lot of people come back and say, you know, he's another, you know, older white guy in the race. But, you know, he brings a lot of traits to the table that we need as we confront Trump in 2020. Brendan, Biden? I'm ready for somebody to shake it up a little bit, and Joe Biden might just be our guy. Really? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I want to thank our panel because uh, there's a lot of people in that field who I think – want to shake it up but but, you know it's still too early i still think there's plenty of time i'm you know that's kind of why i got into political journalism was the whole like you know horse race and whatnot but policy is much more fun much more interesting and quite frankly much more influential i want to thank our panel john summers former communications director and former senate majority leader or two former senate majority leader harry reid as well as brendan buck former spokesman to Paul Ryan, and now a partner at Blue Engine. Check us out on Apple, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and the Bloomberg Business app. That's it for me. Tomorrow, more U.S.-China trade. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. Listen to The Deal wherever you get your podcast, And watch on Bloomberg Originals, Bloomberg Television, or BTV+. Brought to you by Sherm, a better workplace, a better world.